How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. You are listening to Booze and Baseball with Derek Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Pull up a seat. Sit with us for a little bit at a bar. Let's talk some ball. Derek, let's get right into this thing here. What are you drinking, my friend? So I'm going to be drinking uh, Apothic Red. It is a uh, winemaker's blend from California. It is a 2018 wine. It's a cheaper wine, one that's easy to get for people. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a red wine guy. This is a red wine. Um, kind of dark, fruity. Yeah, it's not I've as had- dry as I would like it. Yeah, Apothic is like my go-to college wine right there, I think. I I think I've ordered that more than any other wine in my entire life, my friend. Yeah, it's, you know, you can get it for like 10 bucks, 12 bucks. Yeah. Um, so works out. Yeah, it's dark fruity. Again, like I said, not as dry as I'd like it. I'm, I'm a dry red wine kind of guy yeah. or, or with white wine. I like drier wines too, but gets the job done for today. Hey. Figured I'd switch it up with a little wine. I was going to say, so. I, I, I see the wine. So behind Derek, if you're listening yeah. to us, he's got a wine word that actually says wine right and and he's trying to fill up the word wine with wine corks which i, I don't know if that promotes alcoholism i'm not really sure but we're, <laughs> we're in support of it right so um speaking of wine i'm right there with you my friend i also have red wine but i really kind of feel a little lazy today i don't really want to explain this so i'm gonna let somebody else explain what i'm drinking how about that so with that <laughs> being said uh, we are bringing in, uh, Derek doesn't even know that this is happening just yet, but uh, we're bringing in a guest. Um, welcome aboard, Cody Baker. Hello, hello. Hey, so Cody, Cody is a grade <laughs> two, grade two sommelier, correct? Am I right about that? Is that correct? Level two, but yeah, grade two, level oh, two. Wait, wait, grade I two, need to semantics. Follow-up question to this. What is, how many levels are there? Because for all I know, there's like 50 levels and that's not that impressive. <laughs> So there are four levels. Level one okay. is just beginner. Level two is more so intermediate. Uh, level three is expert. And level four is master. How long does it take to okay. get a level four? Uh, well, considering level three takes at least, I mean, I've, I've talked to people who've, it's taken them multiple years just to get passing level three. <laughs> level four takes, uh, it's, it's a lifetime achievement. And it's uh, it's something that's very difficult to achieve for sure. Well, Cody's at two. Uh, his birthday was just uh, at the time of recording four days ago. So my gift to him was, you know, I've told him you'd get on this show for a while. Naturally, he uh, has I've just been clamoring. Yeah, he has. Yes, he has. He, this is what he listens to while he's at work, which I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Maybe don't tell your people at work that you do that, Cody. But uh, today I am drinking a Tempranillo, 2020 Tempranillo. Uh, Del Toro, uh, Cody, you gave this to me for Christmas. So break it yep. down for me. I want you to break it down. Yeah. So this is going to be the Del Toro Tempranillo from Sin Cellars out here in Woodville, Washington. Um, Sin Cellar is a wonderful winery. They do all natural wines, double filter it. So, you know, you're getting the good stuff. Um, I I've personally got to chat with the winemaker there a couple of times and just an incredible guy, you know, any of you listeners around the Washington area, definitely go check it out. It's definitely definitely worth a drive. Um, but with the Tempranillo here, um, it's definitely going to be more of a, a full-bodied red. Um, so that means it's just going to kind of sit a little heavier on the palate. Um, 
And then at Sin Cellars, which is pretty uncommon for the Washington area, um, but they they like to make their wines more old world style, which means it's going to get more of those kind of earthy, kind of vegetal, herbal notes to it, rather than something with a lot of fruit to it. You get a lot of that commonly in Washington. It's going to be super big, super fruity. With this one, you're getting more of those kind of cedar, herbal notes with it, um, which is really nice. It pairs well with a great steak or gourmet burger. Um, so I hope I hope you're you're hitting the grill after this, Dusty. Because that is actually that's, the move. Uh, yeah, that's some that's liquid gold right there. That is the move. Uh, I uh, yeah. will be cooking a tri-tip. I uh, I kind of ran across town to find one, and you know they don't make <laughs> tri-tip on the East Coast, or they don't really have that cut on the East Coast, so it's a little harder to find. Uh, um, but yeah, no, that was great insight, Cody. Derek, do you have any questions for our uh, level two sommelier? Um. I mean, I, I really appreciate the the big word usage. I think that uh, immediately got him to a level it, it, two and it's a half the, for It's me. the first thing that they teach you as a sommelier <laughs> is to speak with the most eloquent and just you know bombastic words that you possibly can. It just makes you sound like you know what you're talking about when in reality you got no clue. You also right, know, for, for the I, listeners, he's got a he's got a bunch of wine literally behind him right now. So. <laughs> Yeah. I do. It's, I do it's, it's, it was the perfect backdrop to, you know, give me the uh, credentials I need. Derek's got a question. question. Yeah. yeah. Who is the Shohei Otani or, or what is the Shohei Otani of, of wine? <laughs> see, see, that's the beauty of wine, my friend, is there's no clear cut winner. There is no Shohei oh, Otani that's on. doing it both Boo. ways. You know, it's all up to you. It's all up to your own palate. You know, you could go somewhere. Everybody, you know. I personally think yellowtail is the most disgusting thing to ever grace this earth, but there are some people who really enjoy that. So, you know, wine is something where it's to eat your own and, you know, any of those wine snobs that are out there that say you shouldn't drink this, you shouldn't drink that. Um, I, I, I don't agree with that. Wine's very subjective, but uh, don't drink yellowtail because it is horrendous. Well, it helps that Derek and I are both drinking wine today. We're, before we let you go, Cody, and uh, this won't be your last appearance, but um, we have our mailbag. It's the first one of the year. And uh, why don't you just kick it off for us? Do you have a question for us as far as fantasy or betting or anything along those lines that we can answer to help you as you have just now helped us with figuring out what the heck I'm drinking? Yeah, so so in my my own personal fantasy league, I've been I've been hitting the wa- waiver wire pretty hard, and I've picked up some pitchers that I think could have potential for the rest of the year. They've started pretty hot. Um, so I was just wondering how you see the potential for a, a year long outlook for pitchers such as Graham Ashcraft, Bryce Elder, and uh, uh, Steele from the Cubs over there. Yeah, Derek, I'll let you start with that one because th- that's those are three really solid names, if you ask me. Um, all guys that, you know, I think at one point in time, if you're on the wire, you're probably considering picking them up. They're probably already scooped up at this point in time. Um, Derek, what are kind of your takes on maybe one of those three or all three of them? Yeah, uh, Ashcraft, absolutely love. I love his slider, uh, fastball, really high velocity and everything. He's actually number three right now among 71 qualified pitchers in stuff plus number. He's also about league average in terms of locating it. So overall, really like Ashcraft. I don't love that he has to pitch in Cincinnati. He's kind of one where, like, if you're playing a really good opponent and it's in Cincinnati, I'm probably not going to go with him. But overall, he's my favorite. Uh, I on the complete opposite end spectrum of Bryce Elder. He's had a really good start. I, I mentioned there's 71 pitchers, starting pitchers who have qualified for stuff plus numbers right now. Bryce Elder is ranked 70th of the 71. He's got a 73 stuff plus, 100 is league average. Uh, he's he's had like okay command, 102. Again, 100 is league average. Um, but he's just kind of getting by on like uh, multiple different pitches and stuff. I just, I, I don't think this is going to last for him. So he's the one that I'm kind of selling in. I've always kind of been had a soft spot for Justin Steele that like I, I think he's like a solid number three or number four in a team's rotation. So I, I, he's kind of matchup dependent for me, but I don't mind having him on a roster. Yeah, I, I would say out of the three, if I was going to power rank them, I would probably go Steele one, Ashcraft two, and I'll go Elder three. Now, I do think Elder is a solid piece as far as streaming, okay? So if you see matchups that Elder goes up against, so a light-hitting team, right? I I feel like I'm more confident in him uh, in those kind of matchups, and and it's not like I'm going to completely shy away. But as for long-term value, I'm probably reeling in steel. I I legitimately think steel is a steal. Uh, If you look at his uh, current numbers right now and just overall his peripheral, 
I mean, he's 27 years old. He's six foot two, 205 pounds. What's really intriguing to me is where he ranks amongst the rest of the league. Okay. His average exit velocity allowed. It's in the 90th percentile, hard hit rate, 92nd percentile, barrel rate, 88th percentile. What does that lead me to believe? That means that he is not giving up hard contact. Now, he doesn't throw very hard. He's definitely in the lower echelon, if you will, of fastball velocity. Uh, but he still gets a great spin rate on his fastball. And ultimately, the numbers, the peripheral numbers that I see with Steele, I love moving forward. Ashcraft, I feel like he's, as Derek kind of touched on, I'm struggling with the idea right now of adding a Reds pitcher for two reasons. Number one, pitching in that ballpark. I mean, that is a hitter's ballpark. And number two, that is a team that does not know how to win. For Steele, that is a team that knows how to win. The Cubs are proving they can win. And he is delivering quality start after quality start. I mean, we're talking about four consecutive quality starts to open the season, a 1-4-4 ERA. I love what I see. At the time of recording, he's facing the Padres. So curious to see when he faces what's maybe an upper echelon lineup, even if it's not producing that way. What does that look like? I don't know yet, but I, I would say your best bet out of that three, if you had to keep only one, is probably Steele. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> it sounds like I got some... Uh... Some trades to make, maybe get to get get the value out of these guys while I can. So, well, that's what we're happy to have. But until then, Cody, thanks for joining us. Cheers to you, and uh, thanks for the wine, man. This is this is good stuff. Of course, hope you enjoy it. Best of luck, guys. Thanks. Take care, Cody. Hey, so that was Cody Baker. That was my brother, and uh, he opened up our mailbox. Derek, we got a couple other questions from those listening to our podcast. Uh, we're going to start with Dan. Dan says he needs some insight on the Pirates. He is a Pirates fan, is what he mentioned to me. Um, he needs some insight on their hot start. Are they fake or are they real? What do you think? Well, I okay, I think they're real from where they've been, right? Like, I don't want to be the, the the turd in the punch bowl here that's just like, oh, don't have fun. Like, enjoy this for what it is. Um, so I don't think – like, the vibes are high. Good start to the season. You good just vibes. get the contract extension. Yeah, to Brian Reynolds, right? Yeah. Um, do I think this is necessarily going to last? Do I expect them to be a playoff team? Do I expect them to finish with a near 70 winning percentage? Like, no, probably not. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like, again, I, I don't want to be the guy that poops on the parade. But, like, to shock you if, if the Pirates finish below 500 still? No, like, it, it wouldn't at all. Now, I do think they're clearly making strides in the right direction. I'm excited to see what happens when they start infusing even more of the young talent that's already coming up through the pipelines and they can be better teams. But like right now, I think Andrew McCutcheon is probably hitting above, like, is he going to have an 888 OPS all year? Is Connor Joe going to have above 1,000 OPS? Same for Jack Zawinski. Um, and yeah, like you have guys like Cabrian Hayes who has struggled to start the year. But um, no, I, I think clearly view them as a team better than the Reds in that division. Maybe they're, I, I don't know, same tier with like the Cubs in my eyes. I still view like the Cardinals um, as being the top team with the Brewers probably right behind them in that division. Uh, you know, I've had such a hard time figuring out the Pirates, man, because they've got some good young pitching. And here's the other thing. At some point in time, a rebuild's got to work for somebody, right? And so you saw that happen with the Astros. You remember back in the day when our good friend Shane, we were celebrating for him that they got a win in their first 11 games, right? That's how bad it was. Well, that's kind of the era that we're in with the Pirates where the transition kind of happens, in my opinion. So part of me is sitting here saying, I don't believe that they are maybe necessarily going to go, for example, all the way this year, right? But part of me feels like you have to kind of believe in that rotation a little bit. I like Contreras. Um, I like Mitch Keller. I think Keller can deliver uh, when he needs to. And um, I've been impressed thus far. And, Ho uh, you know, Oviedo has looked really, really solid. I I'm surprised by that. Now it could be all smoke and mirrors. I, I don't know. Okay. It, it is so early. This is the time of overreactions. Um, and this will lead us to our mailbag question number two. I think that the Pirates could probably win over 500. I, I think they could probably go 81 wins or higher. I just don't see the next level, which is the question that we got uh, from yet another inquisitive person about the Pirates. Do the Pirates have a real shot at the division from Nico? I don't think so. I still think we're talking about the Cardinals, even though their slow start's been going on. Um, I actually kind of believe in the Cubs more than I thought I would. I, I think that they've got some good offensive pieces. They're one of those weird, scrappy teams, but with a lot of solid veterans. You know, I like the core with Trey Mancini there. Patrick Wisdom's looked really good. 
I, you know, I just don't know if I buy the Pirates as a division winner. I think that's a little excessive. Uh, what about you? Well, the problem is if they don't win the division, it becomes hard to get them in the playoffs as wild card. I know the question here is is about specifically the division. So that is their best avenue for making it. I'm looking at fan graphs right now. It has them at 9.9% chance to win the division. That seems about right to me. It's funny, even with the Cardinals starting 9 and 14, their percentage chance is 28%. Um, which is like three times as much as the Pirates. But again, that kind of sounds right to me. So uh, I guess if you're saying 10% chance, like, yeah, there's there's a chance. It's one in 10. That's, you know, one in every 10 seasons they would make this happen. That's not that crazy. Uh, again, I feel like they're probably going to end with like high 70s. Maybe they get to like the 80 win mark on the season. But that is such a vast improvement. It's going to make the season so much more fun for them to watch and, and everything over the course of the year. But what happens if they do get to around 500 and then they get to the trade deadline and they ship pieces away like a Rich Hill right, right. and some of these guys that are a little bit older and then they drop off and end up winning 78 games. Again, would be a great step in the right direction for even next year. And then maybe they go in the offseason and they get a couple of big free agents. Some more guys come up like a Henry Davis or something. Uh, O'Neal Cruz gets a, full, a fully healthy season. And that's the way that they go. But, um, yeah, I think like right now the, the Fangraphs projection has them at 80 and 82. So they got a shot, but it's not a great one. Moving along, kind of on the topic that we've been discussing, it's the 40 games, the first 40 games. How much stock do you actually take into the start of the season? We're talking really April and May. How much stock do you take in a start like what the Pirates have? And that's from Keith. So from, yeah, yeah. From a team perspective, um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm having trouble answering this from like a fundamental approach of like, I put 60% stock. Like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I do put some stock. I don't put a ton. I put you know, 40% like, of stock in the right. first 40 games. Yeah, no, I, I get it. It's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. But like, I mean, from a player perspective, how often do we see guys struggle for one half of the season, whether it's the first or back half and then do great the other half or do terrible the other half after they do great one half. Uh, I think from a player perspective, if it's guys that you've seen in the past not be very good and they're having a first good 40 games, I don't really put a ton of stock into it, to be completely honest. I might put more stock once you get to like the 80 game mark or something. If it's somebody who's a young player and they're breaking out through 40 games, I'm going to put more stock into that. And then from a team perspective, you know, it's kind of the same thing. If, if you've given me the benefit of the doubt before, like if the, I don't know, like the Dodgers in years past, if they started really well in the first 40 games, I'm going to be like, yeah, of course. But if they start 20 and 20 in the first 40 games, I'm going to be like, well, they'll figure it out, right? right. It really is a benefit of the doubt thing. I do believe that you can lose your season in April, which is what the Chicago White Sox are doing right now at the moment. Um, I I don't believe you win championships in April, though. There's a reason why you see what we've seen over the last couple of years with the Phillies and you've seen the Braves. Um, I mean, the Astros didn't win a championship in April last year either, and, and they're going to have to go through a gauntlet this year with that with some of the injuries they've dealt with. So I, I, I kind of have to say, like, take it with a grain of salt. You can see the Pirates literally slip up the way that we've been talking. The the talk right now is the Pirates just because of how shocking and, and I guess surprising this start has been for them. I think we're going to get a little more clarity as the All-Star break approaches. What teams are built, not for the month of April, but for the months of August, September, going into October? Who is actually built and has depth? And, you know, you don't just have young kids, but you have guys that are veterans that have been there before. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't take a ton of stock into the top 40. Now, if you're 0 and 40, you know, the A's, the A's are done. I'm sorry. They, they've got no chance from the get-go. Terribly managed organization, and uh, it's looking exactly as you'd expect from them. So, um, you know, if the A's were any drink, by the way, it would be a crushed wine bottle that I almost ran over on the side of the road earlier today. That's what the Oakland A's are. And they probably would try to sell that too. That's how bad it is there. Anyways, that was my little tangent. Uh, another question we got from JD. He says, if you had to pick one player in the top 25 ranked in Yahoo to be out of baseball in the next three years, who would it be? And that also, by the way, excludes age-based retirement. So, Basically, we're talking about somebody that would get in trouble. <laughs> no, I mean, it could just mean one of the most ridiculous really questions we've ever received, but it's awesome at the same time. They have to well, get in trouble or an injury, possibly. I mean, like, you have to look at it that way, I guess. I mean, he could just be like, they're getting bad. So, like, I, this depends how you're looking at top 25. If we want to look at the preseason top 25 Yahoo rankings, like, you could have Justin Verlander, he'll just get old. But again, he said not age related. So, right, you can't take that. Right. Um, it's 
it'd be easy to pick one of the pitchers just because pitchers longevity isn't as good, but like, exactly. I don't know. Corbin Burns is like in his prime. Garrett Cole seems like he's going to last a while. Spencer Strider's young, like maybe Aaron Nola in three years. Well, but I don't know. It's hard to see them like out of the league as far as the batters. Like it's really hard. Ronald Acuna is still kind of young. Trey Turner is like just entering his, uh, the edge of his prime, I guess. Maybe Aaron judge, like there's injury stuff with the back at that point. Um, Mookie Betts has had some back injuries at that point. Yeah, I, Juan Soto's trending in a bad direction right Real now. Real bad what direction. What if Jordan Alvarez like has blown up knees? I, I don't know. There's not like a clear answer here. Uh, what? Okay, here's one. Here's one. Um, Bobby Witt Jr. never lives up to the potential, and in three years he gets DFA'd. Okay, there you go. That's actually a pretty good one. Um, I mean, the way he's started right now, it's it's not. Like he, he never gets above a 300 OBP. He's around like, I don't know, right. like 295, 300. Yeah, he's at 292 right now. He's at 292 right now. So, I mean, like. And then he has that, a bad a... start to a season. All right. I will say Fernando Tatis Jr. He decides to go on a motorcycle yet again. He crashes and ruins yet another part of his body. The management gets so frustrated with him that they toss him out and no other team wants him except for Japan. How about that? Okay. That worked. <laughs> that, that's that's gonna be mine uh okay anyways we'll move on thanks for the question jd uh, a couple more here from the bag hunter asks are the rangers the real deal hunter is based mm. in texas naturally he asks about a texas team I, i'll answer this to start i think yes um and i know derek's answer's gotta be yes uh derek <laughs> you can kind of jump onto this because you picked this team to not only go to the world series but to win the world series I did. I did. I, I don't want to do any victory laps early because as soon as I do that, Jacob deGrom is going to have his arm fall off, which is not going to be ideal. If he but, was top um, 25, he might be that guy too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, honestly, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I thought the Rangers were legit before the season started. I It's not just having deGrom. I know that the top line guy, but they filled out the pitcher depth, right? When you have like John Gray or Nathan Eovaldi and, and those types of guys, Andrew Heaney is your like three, four, five. Like that's just really good pitcher depth. You have some young talent coming up. You have some guys. I mean, they started to figure out some of the young talent over the past couple of years with like guys like, I know Adelise Garcia is not young, but kind of unproven talent necessarily, or, you know, just other guys that they could still bring up like an Evan Carter. Uh, and then you look at some of the star power to lead the lineup with Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager's always so clutch in those big moments. Like once we get to the postseason, I've just liked this Ranger team from the get go. And, and the fact that they've had a good start just kind of backs that up for me. Yeah, I, I tend to agree there. I, I think that the Rangers overall, this is the most complete team they've had since they last were in the playoffs. Um, I'm still curious about Josh Young. I'm curious about the production that they're going to get from Duran, for example. Um, I think there's a lot of young kids on this team that can definitely produce and push, push this team over the top. Um, and quite frankly, I think your prediction, it's looking pretty dang good right now, my friend. So yeah, no victory laps yet, but Hunter, I will tell you this, my friend, your Rangers, they're in a pretty good spot. Now, Raphael, how are my Orioles do, going to do this season? That is an interesting question because this is a very difficult team to figure out. You, of course, see the run from a year ago. Uh, they had that late run where they almost cracked the playoffs, uh, but there's some production issues from guys they were maybe hoping to have production from i'm gonna say gunner henderson he's on my fantasy team and he's killing me um Derek, kind of what are your thoughts on the orioles absolutely love the lineup i think they have depth at a lot of different positions loved some of the improvements that jorge mateo has taken moving forward like uh he is just uh, continuing to improve you have cedric mullins adley rutschman has looked like a real mvp candidate to this point in time um I, I don't know. There, there are certain things that they remind me a little bit of the Giants with Buster Posey with led by, you know, the catcher. Uh, you, you have like good enough lineup around them. Like Austin Hayes is a professional and everything. I, I love the bullpen with Felix Batista. And I know it's limited times, but the Yenier Cano guy has been awesome so far. Um, I, I don't love the starting pitching. Like there's, there's some guys there that are interesting, right? Like you have a Grayson Rodriguez, but that's my big worry. Now, could this be a team that is hanging around there, gets to the trade deadline, and there's some big starting pitcher that's available, and they go out and trade for him and he starts leading. Like, that would not surprise me at all. But I think this team is going to be in it for the long haul. I don't know that they're going to win 95 wow. games or anything, but wow. I, I think they'll be in the 80-win mark. And, you know, if they make that big trade, maybe it gets them over the hump, they go to the postseason and maybe can make some magic happen. I think what's tough for me is the division they're in. I think if they were in the AL Central, my answer might be a little bit different. But 
they're in a division that is just a gauntlet right now. Now, granted, they're not having to face that division as frequently as they would have in the past, uh, but that still is a bit of a concern for me moving forward. So I'm not fully all in on the Orioles. If it was a drink of any sort, it might be like a Coors Light I'm sipping on, uh, but by no means am I chugging that baby. So um, I, I would say Orioles right now, maybe 84, 85 wins. That would be my guess. A couple more questions, and uh, they're both ridiculous. So Alexa asks, what's it like to be Dusty Baker? I'll, I'll say it pretty simply. Um, I wouldn't know any other way. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's obviously asking about what's it like to be named after Dusty Baker. A great human being, great man. Derek, you actually have a name that is also the same as a athlete that was in our era. Uh, also, coincidentally enough, on the same team as one of your favorite teams. I isn't it not weird a little bit? No, because I'm not that person. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Honestly, man. I'll be honest. Like there are times where it does get annoying if like somebody like overdoes it with the jokes. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say like, that's what's happening here. Um, You're getting berated by Derek Johnson jokes. No, 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 no. I mean like, like there's, you know, the occasional joke, whatever there. I remember there's this one kid in college who like every time he talked to me, he would make a joke about it, like multiple jokes. And it was like, okay, you, we get it. You're, You're like, kind of get it, the, bro. We, yeah, we understand. We understand. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That's annoying. I mean, I get it all the time on Twitter. Um, I get followers that way though. And now that the check marks gone, I guess that's a good thing. Right. So uh, thanks Elon. Um, the last question that I got is from Julia and it is, why are you such a sissy? Um, Hey, mm. I don't really know how to answer that other than Julia. I uh, I'm so sorry that I've been such a sissy and uh, Julia from Louisville, by the way, um, really apologize for my sissiness. I, I'll try to be better next time. Uh, Derek, why are you such a sissy? Cause this is to both of us. So I, I, I don't know how to answer that. Mm. Oh, that was the plural. You. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're I'm both sorry, sissies. I, bro. I, I mean, appar I apparently we're both sissies. We should just I take think a this shot. is heavily implied to you. You have had too many drinks on this show. And I'll just leave it there. Hey, 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 hey. This is a welcome atmosphere. This is a welcome atmosphere. All right. Well, thank you guys for the mailbag. And remember, you can always message us through Twitter, Instagram, and you can email us at boozeandbaseball at gmail.com. All right. We're going to do our chug and look back at it stat. Normally, we do these at the top of the show, but with our mailbag, we kind of had to address that first because of Cody being our little guest star. Cody did a great job, by the way, Derek. Yeah, he did okay. I'll give him six <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> Just a tad bit. Um, we'll be quick with this one. So at the time of recording, it's April the 25th. Okay, so we're going to dig back to 2018. The Atlanta Braves selected the contract of some random guy. His name was Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Gwinnett Stripers. And on the same day, the Milwaukee Brewers were called some random guy, Brandon Woodruff, from the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. And if you look at the careers of these two, Acuna Jr., six years already, and Woodruff was seven, it's safe to say that these are two of the biggest moves for each of these teams in their franchise's most recent history. I'm glad you read that, by the way, because uh, on our rundown it says Gwinnett Stripers, and I definitely read that as something else. You can probably <laughs> figure out what I read that as. Um, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, I mean, those are two absolute – you know, Titans in today's MLB, right? With with Woodruff obviously dealing with the injury, but him and Burns as good of a one-two punch as anyone has. I think it's interesting with Acuna when you go back and the team that he he picked the Braves over was the Kansas City Royals. I, I forget what the story was, if they didn't offer as much money or what happened there, but it, it's funny going back in time and being like, imagine if, if Ronald Acuna Jr. signed with the Royals. Like, no, where is that franchise at? Where's the Braves franchise at? Did they win a World Series it, a couple of years ago, like probably because uh, Cunha wasn't on the team, like he was injured at that point, or because they don't have a Cunha, do they have other people on the roster that block certain players that ended up playing well during that postseason run, right? And, and are the Royals like not nearly as bad? I don't know. That, that whole stuff, uh, the ripple effect is very interesting there. Would Acuna's ascension be as good too? Because do we get the right Ronald Acuna Jr.? You know, that it is crazy to think about what player is placed on which organization, the growth, the development. I mean, all of it is crazy as far as when you look back on it, what could have happened differently if he just goes down the road to Kansas City. So interesting with that, Woodruff really had an interesting ascension. I'll, I'll kind of tack on to him because if you remember correctly, he was the Milwaukee Brewers starter for game one of the NLCS against the Dodgers. And 
Uh, he hit a home run off Clayton Kershaw, which I think that's the first time he turned heads. But reality sets in, and you realize this kid's not just a decent pitcher. He can be a frontline ace potential, and, and that's what he's been. And he's been consistent. And uh, for the Brewers, I mean, they're competing this season primarily because of their pitching, right? And it's not because of Corbin Burns. Burns has not looked as good as usual. It's because guys like Woodruff stepping up and and delivering innings late, often striking out hitters consistently. I mean, Woodruff has been as good of a pitcher as any in the league. So it's been interesting to kind of monitor. But that day in particular, on this day five years ago, two key players within the MLB called up. Now we're going to move on to our parlay or poor. So what does that mean, Derek? Well, pretty simply, you and I are really degenerate gamblers, um, except for we're good at it, I, I, I'd like to say. This week, I would like to point out I made $615 on one parlay. No big deal. Pretty, pretty solid, right? Pretty, pretty decent. Um, with parlay or poor, we're going to look at five games that we must parlay for the weekend. And the weekend being Thursday through Sunday, every miss is a drink the other one happens to owe, right? So right, that we happen to owe. Um, all seven, though, or all five of these, I should say, that are correct. The other has to shotgun on our next segment. So, Derek, I don't know. I don't know if you're ready to shotgun on this, but uh, I'm sure you're going to have to gear up because I'm going to get all five of these right. We're going to start with you first, though. Uh, what five games are you parlaying together over the weekend? So I'm going to go with two Thursday games. Uh, we got the Giants over the Cardinals. I like having Logan Webb. He signed the extension. Uh, looked a little shaky his first three starts, but after signing the extension, looked better. His next start, he's going against Miles Michaelis, who has really struggled early in the year. Uh, the Giants have not been good. They've been terrible against left-handed pitchers. Well, Michaelis is a righty, so I don't have to worry about that. And then the Dodgers over the Pirates on Thursday. I know the Dodgers have or, or the Pirates have gone off to a really hot start to the season. Dodgers have been very up and down. Uh, Urias really struggled in his last start against the Cubs. But because of that, I feel good. I, I, Urias is such a good pitcher. Like He tends to bounce back from those. Um, although Mitch Keller has been pretty good to start the year. But I'll go with the Dodgers over the Pirates there. Then we're going to go to Friday. I'm going to take the Twins over the Royals. Pablo Lopez looked really good last time he went against the Royals with that new sweeper pitch. I don't like Jordan Lyles. I, I don't think he's very good for the Royals. He's slated to start that day. Plus, Twins are just a better team. The Royals have been really bad to start the year. And then on to uh, over the weekend on Saturday, I'm going to take the Pirate or the uh, Padres over the Giants. Joe Musgrove slated to start. He pitched really well against the Giants last year. 2.91 ERA and five starts. And then on Sunday, the Reds over the A's. Nick Lodolo has struggled his last two starts since we talked about him last week and, you know, glowed him up and everything. Uh, but I think he gets back to it against a bad A's team. Ken Waldachuk has really struggled to start the year for them. I think Waldachuk has a bright future, but obviously this year it's maybe a little bit too early. So those are my five. Waldachuk is terrible. Lodolo go frogs. Um, anyways, uh, my five, uh, there's one I believe that we share similarly, but on Thursday – I have the Angels over those really terrible A's. It's Shohei Otani taking the hill, facing J.P. Sears. J.P. Sears probably belongs at Sears. Aren't they out of business, mm. by the way, I think? Um, that was rude. I love me some J.P. Sears. I think he might actually – he's been up and down on my fantasy roster. He's that been up rude. and down, and, and that's the key. Versus Shohei Otani, best pitcher right now in fantasy baseball – one of the best players in baseball for a reason, probably the best player in baseball for a reason. Um, I, do, I do not buy anything with the A's. You could honestly, for all five of my parlays here, pick the A's going against the A's, but for <laughs> just just for the sake of this, this entire side of things, I'm, I'm going to jump away from the A's after this one, but this seems like the biggest lock of the weekend is when you have Otani facing Oakland. It's hard to pick against that. Uh, on Friday... You have the Twins over the Royals. Now, I believe this is the one that we share, which is Lopez yeah. over Jordan Lyles. I, too, don't like Jordan Lyles. Uh, I, I picked him up, and uh, it was really a poor situation because I faced Derek. And, Derek, congratulations. You beat me this week. Um, my uh, <laughs> my you. team is definitely drifting off, and uh, it's remembering that it's a rebuild season for my fantasy league. But Jordan Lyles sure deciding, you know what, let's ruin the cause for this guy. Um yeah, I, I don't like Jordan Lyles. I like Pablo Lopez. I like the matchup. I'll take the Twins. All right, Saturday, I got two games, and that's late. 
First of all, the Blue Jays over the Mariners. It's Kevin Gosman coming off an 11 strikeout performance, taking on Marco Gonzalez, who is the most average pitcher in all of baseball. Give me the Mariners offense that's been kind of garbage of late and give me a Blue Jays offense that's been the opposite of that. Uh, I take the Blue Jays and the Astros over the Phillies. Where have we heard that one before? How about the matchup too, by the way? Christian Javier is slated slated to pitch in that game against Bailey Falter. Number one, the pitcher with the last name Falter. It can never be good, right? It's like Grant Balfour. Do you remember that guy? Did things go that well for him? No, it didn't. Well, uh, Bailey Falter's actually had a decent start to the year, but let's not forget when Christian Javier faced this same Phillies team last year in the World Series, he was part of the no-hitter in the World Series. So, Bad memories for Phillies fans? Sorry, let's redo it again. It's going to feel like deja vu by Olivia Rodrigo, and uh, I think ultimately you're going to see Christian Javier dominate on Saturday. Then on Sunday, my finale, we're going to go back to the Twins and Royals series, and it's going to be the same result, mainly because I do think that there's something to be said about teams that are just on an emotional down downward spiral. The way that Brady Singer has been going has been a downward spiral, to say the least. He has not looked good in ERA over eight. And meanwhile, Joe Ryan has quietly been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. I expect him to come out with a W over the Royals. This is probably going to end up being a series sweep as well. Uh, I think the Twins are light years better than the Royals right now. The Royals could be the bottom tier team right now in the AL Central, which is saying a lot. So those are my five. And Derek, remember... If we get all five of these right, the other one shotguns. So are you ready for that? You ready to shotgun sure. this time? Okay, I'm good. Sure, why not? Okay, good. Well, our last segment is which shelf are they on? Okay, pretty simply, we're going to talk about the top shelf, the middle shelf, the bottom shelf. Maybe they're stored in the back or they were just shipped out. It does not matter. We're going to name these pitchers or players or hitters or anybody that you think of in fantasy baseball circumstances that – you don't really know where to place them. Now, Cody kind of set to precedence early in this one because he asked about a couple of these guys. So we're going to go back to them right here. Let's start with the pitchers, Derek, and we'll be quick with this. Bryce Elder, what shelf is he on? Uh, stored in the back. You have him there if you need him to, but not somebody that I'm like trusting all year long. I think bottom shelf, I would probably put him on. I think that I can trust him in streaming circumstances, but that is about it. What about Justin Steele? That to me would be bottom shelf. Like, okay, for me, how I'm taking this, if you're top shelf, you're like on that tier of not necessarily like Garrett Cole or Corbin Burns, but at least that like next tier of pitchers, like the Spencer Striders and stuff of the world. Middle shelf has got to be like a all-star adjacent. So I don't know, bottom shelf to me, I guess here, where I think he's a useful pitcher to have at the back end of your roster. Yeah, you know, it's tough because I am kind of in that middle ground between middle and bottom shelf. So since I said middle ground, how about I just put middle shelf? I feel like he's starting to transition to that middle tier, if you will. He's, he's a guy that I think consistently after four quality starts, you can sit there and say, you know, you're going to get some production out of him. That to me is middle shelf. I think that you can get enough quality out of that. Um, do I expect it to last long-term? I, I sure hope so if I'm an owner. Um, so for that being said, I think middle shelf is pretty safe with him. What about Graham Ashcraft? I'm going to go middle shelf here on Graham Ashcraft. I'm really trusting the um stuff numbers on him and just from watching it it looks really good again I don't love that he's pitching in Cincinnati but there are enough fallback options in that division right when you're playing at the oh. Pirates when you're playing at the Cubs like these aren't su super huge like hitting environments so uh, I'll put him on the middle shelf I think middle shelf is a pretty safe spot for Ashcraft as well. I'll agree with you on that one. I think that kind of the same reasons you brought up. Uh, he's just a quality pitcher, and it's a shame that he has to be on one of the worst teams in all of baseball. But um, I will say that he is in between Steele and Ashcraft. I would probably kind of just slightly put Steele above. Like if the bottle is just a little bit bigger, right? They, like it's the Grey Goose bottle, uh, which is, by the way, not going to be on the middle shelf. But um, it, I would say that Justin Steele may have just a little bit bigger of a bottle for me than Ashcraft. How about Drew Rasmussen out of the Tampa Bay Rays? Oh, I love me some Drew Rasmussen top shelf or well, I don't know, top man. Shelf. Top shelf again. Wow. That was quick, man. That was that was a yeah, quick. Yeah, I'll, I'll like... stick with it. I'll do top shelf. But he's oh, on wow. the top shelf. Wow. He, he's not with the, you know, if if you get to like the uh, a glass of whiskey being, you know, 30, 40 bucks, he's not okay. quite there. Okay. But he he's like adjacent. It's like, well, why is why is the I don't know, Glenn Levette 10 years sitting next to 
um, the Johnny Walker black or something like that. I don't know. Like maybe it's like, well, they're both top shelf, but um, I'll go top shelf, not quite like elite top shelf, but yeah, very, very good. Good run suppression. Um, just got really good spin rates and stuff working in a good environment with the Rays. Good uh, pitchers ballpark. I love me some Rasmussen. I, I like Rasmussen as well. Um, you know how I mentioned bottle size. Well, Rasmussen's bottle size is just a wee bit bigger than maybe Justin Steele's as well. But I may have him sitting on the middle shelf just because I think as far as the upper echelon of pitchers, he, he's creeping up there. I don't know if I'm ready yet to settle on him being top shelf for me just yet. But the consistency at the very least gives it middle shelf, right? So we're talking about, you know, like this guy is fireball every day. You know what you're going to get out of him. It's just a matter of what more can you get out of him? Are you going to get really royally hammered out of this guy? I don't know. I don't know. So I'm sticking with middle shelf, but his bottle is just a wee bit bigger than that of what we've seen from Justin Steele. And so then we got just a couple more left. We'll be quick with these one. Johan Oviedo out of the Pirates. Bottom shelf, same shelf for me as Steele. Not overly elite stuff numbers, but good enough. I think bottom shelf as well. I'm cool with a stream. I don't trust him necessarily long-term. Eduardo Rodriguez out of the Detroit Tigers. Uh, stored in the back right now. I'm interested. Maybe he'll eventually get moved onto one of the shelves, but uh, good start and everything. More of a streamer to me. He's stored in the back as well. He's a guy that I've had my eye on, but I don't necessarily believe in just yet. I did like his most recent performance, though. I got to say, this guy, at one point in time in 2018, he was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Maybe, maybe, just maybe he's tapping back into that. I don't know. Uh, Joe Ryan, we had talked about him a little bit early on of the Minnesota Twins. This is middle shelf to me. I've never been a huge Joe Ryan guy, to to be honest. Like, the stuff numbers aren't great or anything, but he clearly has a deceptive delivery, gets good results and everything. So um, I will put him on the middle shelf. I, you know, as far as this list, man, I'm, I'm a big Joe Ryan fan. I've become more of a Joe Ryan fan over the course of the start of this year. And, and it's early. It is early. But his consistency of not allowing guys on base, okay, his whip is at – 0.76 right now k per nine over 10 three quality starts he's four and oh on the season that's as good as it gets for me right now i i i mean he is in the upper echelon of pitchers and i could kind of see it stay the same because of the division he's in so i'm actually uh, he's barely creeping up but the prices the stock price of him just went up slightly i think like four dollars per bottle um so i think that's enough to crack the top shelf for me actually so i i like joe ryan i gotta tell you Derek, i like joe ryan uh, two relievers, AJ Puck, Colin Holderman. Where do we put them? Yeah, so this is this is a different scale than like I said. Top shelf for me is like the Garrett Coles of the world, right? Uh, for closers, it's different. I I kind of am getting to top shelf with AJ Puck. He looks pretty nasty. He looks pretty dominant. I've always thought this would be a good role for him. Um, so if not top shelf, he's darn near close to it. Uh, Colin Holderman. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Middle shelf. Yeah, yeah, I agree with both of those, actually. I think yeah. A.J. Puck is starting to trend upwards um, on a team that doesn't win by a significant margin, so he's going to have the opportunities to go out and get saves. So if you're looking for saves, that's your guy. If you're in a holds league, what better than to get a guy with the last name Holderman? He literally does just that. He holds guys. He gets in the sixth inning, the seventh inning, eighth inning is what you've seen him more consistently with. If the Pirates are for real, you're going to see Holderman a heck of a lot. I'll say middle shelf just because... You know, you can obviously find holds elsewhere, but um, he, he he's going to provide, I think. I'm very convinced that this guy actually is going to do what his last name has called him to do his entire freaking life. Okay, going to the batters real fast we go. And Derek, we got so many we could choose from, but we're going to start with Brandon Marsh. Um, Brandon Marsh for me, uh, this is tough. He's had a good start. Gets a good lot of internal time. struggle right there. I saw the pain. Uh, yeah, plays defense and everything. Uh, but for me, this is honestly stored in the back. Like, wow, well, really? He's okay. He's normally stored in the back. Right now, we are having a special on Brandon Marsh. He is being featured up front and center. We have flyers and everything that say, "Hey, get your shot of Brandon Marsh for two dollars," and we're selling out on it. But by the time we reach, I don't know, another month or two. We're probably going to have him back in the back. I, I, yeah, I have a hard time with him too, man. Um, I'll say bottom shelf. I think that you're getting the highest production you're ever going to get out of him right now. Um, when Bryce Harper comes back, it's going to be interesting to see how the lineup looks different. Uh, there's just a lot of factors that I'm not a hundred percent set, you know, set on with the Phillies at this moment. 
but Marsh was the top prospect at one point. So let's not forget about that. Uh, with that being said, I think uh, you're going to see a bit of a drop off. So yeah, I'll put him bottom shelf. Uh, Max Muncy. Uh, Muncy for me, I've liked his kind of bounce back to this season. Um, again, top shelf for me has to be like, I don't know, your Juan Soto's of the world or something. Sure. I guess I'll put him on the bottom shelf because I, I still am a little worried about some of the average and stuff like that. It partially depends on on what you're kind of looking for here. But yeah, we'll go bottom shelf, which it sounds bad when I say putting somebody on the bottom shelf, but that no, is yeah. the middle tier here. That is the middle tier. That is three hey, there is, He's in the store, right? Like yeah. he, he purchased. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um. I would say Muncie is middle shelf for me. Okay. He's in the store. He can be purchased and he's at semi eye level. Um, the way that he's just been hitting nukes right now, uh, he's as consistent as any hitter in the league for bombs. I, I, if you're looking for home run power and if you value Kyle Schwarber as a player that could be top shelf, then I think you got to weigh Max Muncie roughly the same right now. Um, the way that you look at Schwarber, however you look at him, way Muncie the same because they're going to probably end the year with similar numbers in home runs, possibly average as well. Um, I think that for me with Schwarber, I think he's top shelf. I, I think Muncie at this time is middle shelf trending towards the top. Uh, he's also going to have a kid, by the way, that dad power. It's a real thing. Um, Matt Chapman, really interesting one right here out of the Blue Jays. I think this is bottom shelf for me. It's everything though. I said about, um, Brandon Marsh, where you're kind of riding the high, where there might be some specials on this. You're, you're selling him right now. He's playing really well. And you're riding that high right now that he is featured a little bit more. But overall, he's bottom shelf where, you know, he's he's useful, maybe a good bench third baseman or something like that in your fantasy league, for instance, because um, the average isn't going to be there. He is a 455 BABIP right now. Like, he's in 361. Uh, the power is going to be there. He's going to be useful. But is that going to continue? No, it's right. not. Right. Yeah. I, I kind of see the same thing. I think uh, for all the points that you made, I'm not all in on Chapman. I think bottom shelf for me, um, James Outman, LA Dodgers outfielder. Mm, man, he has been off to such an incredibly hot start right now. Is this just a couple nice weeks of play similar to, you know, Trace Thompson, who probably just a league average outfielder, but played really well for those few weeks for the Dodgers last year. The thing that scares me a little bit with Outman in a 44% K rate last year, it's still, it's not like high, high, but 28% is a little higher than you would like. So I'm going to put him on the bottom shelf. Um, again, kind of ride that high, but I think overall he's about, you know, average player that's useful on your roster. You know, what's crazy is James Outman's stats uh, as far as what you've seen in the minor leagues. He destroyed minor league pitching. Does that mean much at the major league level? Probably not. But the way that he has started out right now, I'm starting to get a little more sold on him. Uh, he right now, you can make an argument as the rookie of the year favorite in the National League uh, for good reason. The pop is there. The average is there. He's producing consistently. And quite frankly, he's going to get his opportunities in a Dodgers lineup that's weaker than we've seen in years. And so I'm going to say middle shelf for now. He's trending up, man. I mean, like as a rookie, this is his first full season. He's already put up seven bombs on the board. I don't know. I, I kind of starting to buy into this concept and there's nobody blocking him. Um, no pressure, athletic build. I I, I like what I've seen out of Outman. So I, I'm going to say middle shelf for now, but for a fantasy perspective, if you own him, you're probably pretty happy with what you've seen right now. Okay. A couple more and then we're done here. Luis Arias. Luis Arias to me is middle shelf. I just love the high floor. He's, he's just constantly really good average. I, I love players like that that are so consistent. You can just count on. Yeah, you know the average category is going to be a hit hard at that. And uh, I'm going to say middle shelf as well with the Rias. All right, Nolan Gorman, St. Louis Cardinals. Gorman, I'm actually, I mean, I'm I'm going to put him on the middle shelf. I'm, I'm kind of buying into it. He's gotten the K rate down into the mid-20s. That should be more than good enough for him. He hits the ball hard, has a ton of power. I, I love what he's providing. I mean, it, it adds up to everything we thought he was going to be as a prospect coming up. Yeah, he was a highly touted prospect. Uh, you know, prospects sometimes don't hit the ground running initially. And I think that in this era, we've seen that consistently where guys come up, they struggle immensely, and uh, all of a sudden they figure it out year two, year three. And I think that's what we're seeing from Gorman. I'm going to say middle shelf for the same exact reasons. I love the second base eligibility because it's a really weak position in fantasy. And I think that he offers significant value. He's kind of trending towards that top shelf, if you will. Um, if he continues what he's doing right now, he's going to end up on the top shelf very quickly. Uh, another guy that's really struggled early on, but how about figuring it out a little bit is Jared Kelenic. 
Yeah, man. I, I almost want to plead the fifth on this. I have no idea what to think. I was, I, I don't either. I, like, I, I was, don't either. I was out on Honestly. Jared Kelenic and like, yeah, uh, the K percentage is down a little bit. It's down to like 26%. Um, he's got good power. Like he's, I don't know. He's walking at a decent enough rate. I, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, like I said, I was, I was so out on Jared Kelenic coming into this season and, and the way he has started is it enough? It's 20 games, right? Like that's yeah. still a small sample size, but then yeah. again, this would back up the prospect pedigree. Still only 23 years old. Uh, can we just come back to this one in like two weeks? <laughs> we'll try it in two weeks. How about that? I'll, I'll say middle shelf just because I feel like that's safe. You can definitely buy him in the market. Uh, that's that's what I'll say. And the final one that we have is Patrick Wisdom. First base, outfield, whatever position you want to place him at for the Cubs. Third base too. Uh, due to his wicked power, do we actually buy him though? Uh, no, for me, this is stored in the back. He's useful because you have multi-positional versatility, right? He's like he's like a spirit that you can put on different shelves. It's like, well, this goes with that. This goes with that, right? That you can do different things with it. He plays different positions. He can be useful at times because of the power. But, I mean, you're still talking about a low 30% K rate. He's going to go through a slump at some point here when he starts striking out a little bit more and making less contact uh, for his career. Um, he's a 220 average guy. He's at 256 right now. Like, am I to expect all of a sudden he's going to be 256 the whole year? I, I don't totally buy that. If he does, great for him, and it'll be a career year and everything. But at age 31, I'm not totally in on that. So bottom shelf, or, yeah. or not bottom shelf. I'm sorry, in the back. I would say bottom shelf. Uh, I have him on my fantasy team right now, and I'm just riding the wave. I don't expect to keep him on my team long term. Um, but enjoy the wave while you can, right? That's uh, that's all you can do. He's at the store. You can purchase him. He's just. He's going to be like Burnett's, okay? You're just not going to be loving it uh, at some points in time. It's going to definitely hurt you, sting you in the back of the throat a little bit. Um, other days, it's going to be great, probably after five bottles of that. So, anyways, that's kind of my take. I think Wisdom probably bottom shelf. Okay, with that being said, we have our last call, Derek. Who is the Mike Trout of the past? Because, quite frankly, Mike Trout could not be more screwed as a player, being one of the best players baseball's ever seen on one of the worst historical teams that we've ever seen. I, I don't think there's really an answer, to be honest. I mean, you could point out, like, individual se- – that's what makes this tough. Like, you can point out individual seasons where a player was a star player, one of the best players in baseball, and their team just stunk. But very rarely is it, like, forever, that they for, like, a decade, right? Like, the, the Angels made the playoffs in 2014. They haven't made the playoffs since, I believe. Uh, for nine years, for ten years with a player that good, where they've been that good pretty much every year, minus, like, an injury here or there – no, I, I don't think there really is a comparison to it, to be honest. In, in like, any sport, think about it. Like, any sport. In the yeah. NBA, uh, if you're one of the top five players in the world, like, you're winning championships. If you're in the NFL, you're a top five player. I, if you're a quarterback, you're winning. I guess maybe there's there's an NFL player out there who maybe was a top five player who's, like, a defensive tackle or something, but, like, or an offensive lineman. And maybe, like, Joe Thomas, is that yeah. the comparison? Joe yeah. Thomas, who was, like, consistently the best offensive lineman in Phillip the Rivers, but Philip Rivers wasn't Mike Trout, you know? So I, I don't know. That's the thing. And neither uh, was Joe Thomas. Like yeah. he was, even though he was the best offensive lineman, he yeah. wasn't the best player. That was yeah. Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or whoever. So no, I don't think there's really a comparison. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I think uh, Mike Trout is in a world of his own and it's just a shame that we see one of the best players of baseball trending in, you know, a direction that continues to seem to go upward while his team can't seem to figure out how to hit how to hit a baseball or run the bases or pitch, um, which is kind of the concept of the game that we talk about. So uh, really, really unfortunate for Angels fans out there. So with that being said, Derek, thanks for joining me. Thanks for everybody that submitted into our mailbag as well. We will do that in one month. But that'll do it here this evening for Booze and Baseball. On behalf of Derek Johnson, I am Dusty Baker. Thanks for pulling up a bar stool and hanging with us. So let's grab a drink once again in two weeks. We will talk to you again then. Until then, though, cheers.